It's so good to be with y'all this morning. Again, we're in Acts chapter 1, and it is so good for the church to gather. Now, if you are new with us today, we have, uh, this is a full room of, of people of all ages. We embrace the wiggles. There's wiggling going on in my camp right down here in the front, and so you don't be embarrassed about the wiggling that may be going on in your camp as well. Uh, children or adults, any of you, just wiggle all you want. Um, like having everybody in worship together. I grew up in worship from as young as I can remember. And I can remember my grandmother, Peggy, who worshiped with us, uh, singing off key. No offense, grandmother, Peggy, you're probably listening. Should have thought about that before I said something, but rich memories of sitting next to her in church and and the saints that I grew up around that helped form me. I was speaking with my mother-in-law this morning because we're living with them right now. And we love it. I don't know that they do. But if you're watching, bless y'all, Nina and D-Daddy. Um, we were talking about royal ambassadors. Raise your hand if you know what I'm saying when I say the royal ambassadors. Yeah, I was an RA. And I was, we were talking about that, that and girls in action uh, GAs. And I remember RAs being where I learned to read the Bible out loud in front of people. And now I'm doing that weekly, you know, with, uh, with you. And so such fond memories of that. But it makes me think this morning as we dive into this passage of the disciples being gathered and, and really one of the seminal moments in the history of the church where what we are enacting today together, what we are drawing life from today together really began in one of these moments recorded in Acts chapter 1, and they're so important. They are so important. We gathered yesterday, um, a smaller group of us, but a, a group of our church family to, to bury one of our saints, Mr. James Smith. And it was uh, no less encouraging, a life so well lived, um, and to, to gather with many of you and to remember him and his wife Betty and to see a picture of what it looks like for the church to gather. Yes, in a, in a sad way, but also in a celebratory way. That we give thanks for what God has done in, in one life, but by extension in the life of a church that has been here over 80 years now. That we are continuing to live out the ministry of. To continue the life and work of Jesus Christ from Bellevue and throughout the world. And this passage that we are in today uh, is uh, an inception point of where all this began. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Acts chapter 1 as we continue to look specifically at our mission statement and what it is we are doing here together. Now, a few years ago, I was we were headed down to the Gulf uh, for a week at the beach. My uh, father-in-law is from down there, so we can go down to... Uh, to where he grew up pretty often. It's my favorite place in the world, Gulf Shores, Alabama. And we were heading down there. Now, this is when Hattie was a baby, our four-year-old, and we were taking advantage anytime we got to go away down to the Gulf of um, this Southwest Airlines deal where you fly for free until you're two. And so Leslie Ann and Hattie would get on the plane and, you know, don't think I'm that altruistic. I didn't want them in the car with us because... We, the boys and I can just get there a lot quicker without, uh, no offense, them in there. Love you, sweetheart. Um, 
And so we were going to the beach. And for whatever, so we would go and we'd pick them up. We would time it and pick them up in Pensacola when they got off the plane. We did this a couple of times, and I have fond memories of that. But this particular trip, I don't know what the circumstances were that found me and the boys at the Cracker Barrel in Franklin eating breakfast on our way to the beach, but that's where we were because I am a packer of sandwiches and all food, and the goal is to not stop. But for some reason, we stopped this morning. Maybe the time we had extra time, and we just did it. And so we ate at Cracker Barrel in Franklin, which was delicious. And then we got back on the interstate to go to the beach, and we hadn't been on the interstate one mile, and Lewis, who was four at the time, what do you think he said? How much longer? We were in Franklin. <laughs> so it's going to be a while. Those trips are so fun, and I will miss that question someday. I know that I will, but I have always struggled with a good answer to that question. You know, how to... How to make the car trips more fun. How to make the time pass. You know, we certainly have more games to play than when I was a kid, you know, walking to school both ways uphill in the snow. But it's a lot easier now. Movies have made it easier, but things can, can still get boring. And occasionally there will be things that are cool to see along the way. But all of this stuff we have to do in the car has robbed us of that. And I know this because Elliot, our middle son, just about a year ago, he looked up. As you, as we got into Alabama and said, what's that rocket? We've been going to the beach for nine years of his life and he'd never seen the rocket. So we're in the exact opposite situation we were in when I was a kid looking at anything I could see outside of the car. He had never seen the rocket. The other day we were driving or a while back, we were driving down to Florence, Alabama through Columbia and you go through the Amish, you know, uh, where the Amish community is and you see the horse and buggy there's some cool things to see outside if we just uh if we just look up but i tell this story because this is effectively what the disciples are asking of jesus here in acts chapter one are we there yet is it time jesus are you about to vindicate us Are you about to rescue us from our adversaries are you about to rid us from all of this inconvenience this heartache in this pain and, and Jesus's answer that we, we know because I tell you this all the time, it's yes and no. That's the answer to that big question. Yes and no. The kingdom is both here. We learned that in Luke 10 over in the spring. Proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick. It's here, but it's also not It's also still coming. I know we talk about this a lot. The end is written. We're called to know and and to live in the hope that we have that Jesus is, in fact, making all things new and will ultimately restore all things to how they were originally intended to be. And that has begun. But we also wait. And when we are called to wait, while we wait, we understand that not all is well. But it will be. And this waiting can produce doubt. I'm sure all 700 times that Lewis asked, are we there yet? There was a little bit of doubt behind that question of whether or not we were ever going to get there. But we get there every time. And the Holy Spirit who is with us, it helps us in these times push back against this doubt. I read it earlier in John chapter 14. Look at verse 26 again. John 14, 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things 
Now, that's another sermon, but just understand there. We'll teach you all things. There's still, there's still more to learn. The Holy Spirit is still teaching us. And remind you of everything I have told you. That's good news. So I really just have three things to tell you that I see in Acts 1, 6 through 8 that I believe will encourage us today and to help us push back against this doubt that may be there, this waiting that we are called to, the frustration that may be, may come along with that. First way I see our text helping us to combat these doubts, these voices, maybe they're voices in your head, is to not give up meeting together. We've actually talked about this a lot already this morning. I guess it was on my mind, but the text says in verse 6, so when they had come together. And this past year has certainly taxed our ability to be together. We're not, we were not meeting in person this time last year. We did not meet on Christmas Eve. And even today, COVID is still out there with numbers rising a bit. Will our ability to gather be threatened again? I sure hope not. Now, when it comes to our church, our, our gatherings, if, if our membership together, if the way that we exist together, if we have a country club mentality, if that's uh, how we think about ourselves, I don't find that very compelling. And honestly, that's not something I'm going to be excited about inviting others to be a part of. However, if our membership, if our gathering, if our being together means that we belong to one another, means that we care for one another, means that we grow together, the very language that we use to describe what we hope is going on in our groups, that we would extend that out to our larger body and actually be doing that together, I do get excited about inviting folks to that, to be a part of that. This type of membership much better describes, I believe, what we see in the disciples here with Jesus at this time in the history of Jesus's life, death, resurrection, while he's almost ready to ascend. And as the church in Acts 2 is about ready to be born. That's much better of a description of what we see with the disciples, this membership, this belonging to one another, this fighting for one another, this common purpose that will extend out into, well, the rest of time until Jesus does return. Such membership, such community is fertile ground to hear God's will and then to do it, which is what we see Jesus encouraging the disciples to do here. So we must not give up gathering together. I realize I'm speaking to the choir here because you guys are already, you're already here. But we are, we are not all back yet from COVID. You know, I, I don't disparage you for liking your waffles on Sunday morning. I did too. I love waffles. I love waffles. But we must not give up meeting together. Second thing I see is, well, it's verse seven. And the text says, he said to them, it's, this is Jesus's immediate answer to the disciples saying, is it time? Are we there yet? Are you about to restore your kingdom to Israel? Are you about to make all things better? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. And then verse eight begins with the word, but 
It's not for you to know the times and the dates. Verse 8 begins with the word but, and we'll get to the rest of verse 8 in a minute. But it was this week that our 10-year-old Elliot came home from church camp, and he was telling me a bit about what he learned on that particular day. And just like any parent in that moment, I was eating up this conversation that, you know, involved sentences with my son, which are fewer and further between as they get older, it seems. And he was telling me how important it was for him. Listen to this, y'all. He was telling me how important it was for him to not listen to the voice of doubt inside his head. The voice that could often tell us as people that we are not good enough or smart enough or holy enough. And I loved hearing this from my son. I loved hearing him talk about a much-needed strategy that he hoped to have and maintain to be able to listen to the Holy Spirit in his life, reminding him of God's promises instead of that voice of doubt in his head saying that God's promises may not be true. Strong. So as our kids got back from church, you know, let's be grateful that we are teaching our children. And let's take heart that they may in fact be retaining some of that teaching that the Holy Spirit is continuing that promised all the way back in John fourteen twenty six that I will remind you, the Holy Spirit will remind you of all of the things I have told you. But we don't have all the answers right now. We chip away. We understand things as we go. We're being transformed, but we're not being held to perfection. Forgiveness wouldn't make any sense if that were the standard that we expect from one another. It would be nice to have all the answers right now. It would be nice to, to behave perfectly all the time. It would be nice to have a little roadmap, uh, understanding of exactly when Jesus is going to be back and ultimately make everything right, but we just don't. Jesus says that. It's not for you to know the times and the dates, the periods. Quit worrying about that. Then our text says, but... Now, I'm quick to say that word a lot. But wait. But what if? But I'm so quick to push back in my own life, to offer an alternative, to imagine a different outcome, to suggest maybe another way to seek God, to follow God. But it doesn't make me alone. Take Sarah, for instance, in the Bible, way back in Genesis, beginning in Genesis 12, Abraham and Sarah. You likely know the story, but they were well beyond childbearing years. And God told them they were going to have a son. And Sarah laughed at God. Essentially, in her laughter, she didn't say this audibly, but her laughter was about, but what do you mean? How is that? Even possible, unspeakably joyful if true, but unspeakably cruel if false. So her response was a, but how can this be in the form of a laugh? Or how about Mary, Jesus' mother? You likely know this story as well, but in Luke 1, verse 28, the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Hashtag never alone. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of a greeting this could be. So the angel said, don't you be afraid, Mary. You're going to give birth to a son. And as miraculous as that was for Mary to hear and to try to get her mind around, it makes sense that Mary asked the angel, but how can this be? 
Or how about John the Baptist, the very herald for the Messiah coming before Jesus's ministry began? John the Baptist said, y'all better listen up. One who's coming is greater than me. He's going to tell you how things are. He's going to show you how things are and how things ultimately will be. Behold, he's the Lamb of God who will literally take away the sins of the world. Well, John the Baptist found himself at what he didn't know yet, but was to be the end of his life in prison. Never to be out. And he started doubting. He sent his messengers to Jesus' disciples and to ask Jesus himself, are you the one that we were waiting for or is there going to be someone else? This was a great big, but what is going on here? Why am I in prison? Why aren't we winning already? I've claimed that the kingdom is near, but it seems so far away. Do you ever feel that way? John the Baptist did. Or how about Peter? It was Peter that my son was specifically referring to this week when he came to me with all the gold about doubts and (laughs) strategy and all that. And he started talking about Peter and I immediately went to Peter on the water who was trying out there trying to walk to Jesus, which ultimately didn't work out because of doubts that creeped in. But he was actually thinking to the end of Jesus's life at the time that Jesus was to be hung on the cross and killed. Peter said, Jesus, before this happened, Peter said, Jesus, I'll never deny knowing you. And he did just that. Fearing for his life, he renounced his faith. And as Jesus was on trial and about to be killed, the court of public opinion turned against Peter and they pointed the finger at him and they said, you know, and you were with him. Of course you were. He said, but no, you're wrong. I never knew him. The point here is the Bible is chock full of examples of people just like you and me struggling at times to hold on to the promises of God saying, but this and but that. We do it. Don't beat yourself up if you do it. Just stop doing it. And find courage and hope and encouragement in the fact that Jesus said it right here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, verse 26 in chapter 14 of John. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you about everything I have told you. We gather together to channel this power through one another. We get in our groups and study and encourage one another and equip one another to live in this power that has come upon us. It is how we remind one another of the promises of God. And Jesus promises the disciples and by extension us right here before he ascends into heaven to be with the father until he comes back to take us to be with him as well, that we will not be alone. And we have this power. There is no excuse for us to slip into full fledged belief that God can't use us. Our doubt does not have to overcome us. So what does Jesus say? Third thing, what does Jesus say we should be concerned with? If not the times and the dates, the periods, then, then what? I have struggled to, to offer alternatives for Big Lewis to 
focus on in the car trips. Sometimes we parents answer that question with five more minutes. That doesn't work when you're going to be in the car seven and a half more hours. It also doesn't work to just ignore. Doesn't work with Big Lou. It's not that Jesus is annoyed as some parent trying to get us to hush here. This is not the posture that Jesus is taking. This is a loving response. This is a I need, want, desire your witness, disciples. I desire your lives and not to just put a check mark beside them or to put you in the book of life, which we're in. And I am so glad to be, but to actually live now as we wait in the kingdom, as it is coming on earth, as it is in heaven. Jesus wants our witness, our lives, our mission. And we put it like this, to engage each whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, with anybody. And Jesus specifically says here to be in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we have often communicated this appropriately. We've broken it down to mean locally in our neighborhoods and, and nationally throughout our country and then globally throughout the world. And I think that is good, specifically as it relates to our carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth, to Belize, to Alaska, as Oksana and her teams were able to do the last few weeks in the ways that we will get to do more of in the months and years to come. This covers all of the ground in the world where the gospel seeks to go and should go. However, I have learned that that does not capture the entire scope of what I believe Jesus is trying to get the disciples to see here. I would encourage us not to limit our understanding of what Jesus is calling us to here to our own proximity. This is a mistake that I often, too often, make. We become ethnocentric in this sense, as if Jesus were thinking about Middle Tennessee first or even only when he said this. Jesus has the whole world in mind, and to be my witnesses in all the world is not limited to taking mission journeys throughout the world, although that is certainly a big part of it. But in a more thorough sense, it means that the people of God will be and have been found throughout the world, throughout the ages, that people who are following and being formed by Jesus are not limited by any particular geographic area, that the kingdom is all over, that our sinful and broken states are constantly being pulled to, to, to figure out ways that certain groups of people are, are better or worse than others or that we are better or worse. I do this. If I can just figure out how I'm a little bit ahead of you, then maybe God loves me a little more than I've convinced myself that God loves me. And that's the doubt that my kid's talking about. 41 years old and paid to talk about this. And I still stumble into those patterns, into those beliefs. How someone might be more blessed than I am. Or less blessed. The key for us any of us to have a deep and abiding peace amidst whatever our circumstances are, whatever is going on in our minds is to understand who we are and whose we are, that God is good, that we belong to God, that we are in God's care. 
The way that we grow together and care for one another in our groups, in our larger community, it is for the purpose of helping our understanding, our belief that we are ultimately in God's care and being taken care of by God through the work of the Holy Spirit that has come upon us. And God has given this to us and so many others in all of the places throughout the world. But not everyone has heard yet. And if you're here this morning, the chances are you have heard and you have believed. And if you hadn't, I hope you will this morning because God loves you. And God wants to live in you and work through you. But not everyone has heard. I've told you often about our trip to Germany in 2005, our mission journey there. I met Marcus there on the fourth day of our journey. He was a 16-year-old high school student at the time, and he was interested in why our group had come to visit. And he and I had quite a while to talk that afternoon, and our conversation eventually got around to Jesus. I have never been shy about moving the conversation to Jesus. As I showed Marcus what John's gospel had to say about the Holy Spirit, and it was these verses that we read this morning in John 14 that I read with Marcus that day. That's why I thought of this story this week. As we read portions of chapters 14 through 16 together, the stories of Jesus helping the disciples understand that the Spirit would be coming to them after Jesus departed. Marcus, I mean, I can see... I can see his face right now. He lit up, y'all. He lit up as we read scripture together. And he said to me, I have always, for as long as I can remember, sensed a spirit's presence in my life. I have felt this and never stronger than I feel it today talking with you. I just never knew what it was. And I think I see that now. Marcus would be 32 now. I haven't seen him or talked to him since that day. My hope is that he is walking with Jesus, following and being formed by Jesus. And I believe that if he stuck with the church community that we were working with during that time that he was associated with, he has a much greater chance for that to be the case. I pray that Marcus has settled into being one of those many witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hey, I hope you have too. Let's pray together.